Coming up on this episode of Decades, the late 1970s were disco high. Stay tuned to see what kind of disco ball was swirling. Thank you for joining us for Decades. I'm Karen. And I'm Regina. And we are going to take you on a journey back in time and television. It is 1977. Oh, so we're going 77 to 79 now? Yes, we are. Okay, so let's see. I'm probably in middle school by now. But you know what? What this is the this is the one question. It's so funny. I saw somebody ask this is a Facebook post, and I was like, everybody remembered the same thing. What was the first news major news event that you remembered? My yeah. Oh, honey, uh, <laughs> Elvis dying. Yes, nineteen seventy-seven. It happened in August. Yep, Elvis dying. That was the first thing I remember because. I remember being in the, this, by this point, let's see, I was probably about 10. So no, I wasn't, I was, well, I was getting ready to go to middle school. I was 10. And by this time we had a little black and white TV in our room. And I remember being in our room in the TV and, the, and it's coming, it coming on TV saying that Elvis was dead. And I thought, what? You know, because we watch Elvis movies. We had watched all them little, you know, bingo blanket down on the surf movies but with Elvis. And then for him to be dead and then somebody, and I don't know where I heard it, said that he was like on the toilet when he died. And so in my 10-year-old brain, I'm kind of scared to go to the bathroom for a little while because I'm like, well, Elvis died on the toilet. Oh my, oh my God, the killer toilet. Girl, listen, when you 10, you, yeah, yeah. And you know, we didn't have the internet back then where I just could have Googled everything and find out what the real story was. So you just had to go by whatever was whatever. And I thought, oh, he died on the, oh, Oh, you know, that just really kind of messed me up for a while. Not just the fact he was dead, because I love those Elvis movies. But then on the toilet, and I thought, oh, my, that mm, that's problematic for me. <laughs> but anyway, that's the major news story I remember. What about you? Uh, yeah, that's the one I remember, too. But, you know, some other things did happen there. Like Jimmy Carter became the 39th president of the United States. <laughs> I re- kind of remember that because... People kept talking about peanuts. And I didn't understand at first why they kept talking about peanuts in this man until somebody said he had a peanut farm. Yep, yep, yep. And so that that was uh, big. Um, the, the big TV show that happened during that time was Roots. Girl. Now, as being a, a kid in middle school, Roots was hell. Absolute Listen. positive hell. Listen, how many times did you have to have a conversation with your peers about if if I was a slave, I wouldn't have done, you know, 
you know. To school with white kids, we did not talk about if I was a slave. Oh, well, listen, there was some conversations amongst my black friends, but there was a lot of anger too, a lot of anger. And like, man, if I had been a slave back then, they wouldn't have done me like that. Or, you know, just us trying to process what we were seeing right, and not right. really understanding it. But it was such a big deal. I mean, whole families were sitting around the TV watching Roots every night. It came on TV every night. You know, one of the things I do remember from this time was... Um, People started researching their own families and uh, some of our family had come up from East Texas and daddy had spoke with them and written down all of our, you know, family history stuff. And he was trying to share this with me. And I, I am 12 years old. I do. I go to school with white kids. I do not want to talk about slaves. They ain't got no slaves in their family. No. <laughs> he is sitting here trying to tell me about our folks who came from Louisiana and the folks that was Geechees. And I, I was just like, oh, God. How soon can this be over? Now, of course, me here in my 50-year-old brain is going, we should have listened to him. Yeah. Yeah, it's so funny. I don't ever remember that because uh, I was probably somewhere trying to find a bionic woman on TV or something like that while he was trying to explain to you uh, your roots. But it's so funny because years later, you actually did go and do our ancestry and traced our people to, you know, South Carolina and, and all of that. So that's really really ironic that he had the conversation with you and years later it was something that you actually did i just think it's absolutely hilarious i wish i could get one of them people like to hypnotize me and take mm -hmm. me back there so i can write down all this <laughs> child let it go like frozen say let it go it's gone it's, it's gone it's gone but that is that's really you know, that was really a source of pride for people just to know where they come from and to know that there was life before the enslavement, that you are not simply a slave. You were this and this and this, and then you were enslaved, you know? Yes. yes. And that was a point a lot of folks missed with this. Yeah. The fact that there was a history before then, because nobody ever asked that question. No. I mean, imagine, I, I mean, and it and it's taken me years to get to the point to say, why did I never ask a question about, I mean, we knew what their ancestry came from because they had the Middle Ages and the medieval, you know, they had all these different periods. Where were we? <laughs> and the truth is, we was right there with them. They just erased yeah. us out the picture. <laughs> they did. And let me tell you, as someone who's traveled to Africa several times, I mean, it's such a source of pride to be back on the continent as a as a black American and to have, you know, them call you sister. And, you know, it's like, hey, sissy. And you're like there and you're like, oh, I wonder if I'm from this tribe or that tribe. And I mean, it's just a connection for me. It was such a connection to be there and to interact with the people there and to see 
Africa and to know that it is nothing like television was portraying, like it's a big jungle and wild animals are, you know, roaming around. No, that's not Africa. They're cities, they're villages. And, and when I say village, I mean, they're like small towns, you know, there's so many places I've been in Africa that reminds me of like Wise County or any of these other little small Texas counties. They're just like farmland, you know, and they're not lions and, and, Cheetahs and giraffes wandering up and down the street. That that ain't how it works. People don't have, you know, bones in their noses. And I no, that's that's not that's not that's not Africa. Okay, we was we was in like rural parts of Africa and people had cell phones and stuff. I mean, it's civilization, people. It is truly civilization. And there's such a, a, a feeling of pride and connection there. And so I think back to roots and then I, I, I think about my trips to Africa and it's like, you know, you get it. It took this long. I just think every black person should should travel to Africa and make that connection because there's such pride in that. But that's just me. That sounds cool. That sounds cool. OK, so Roots happened in 1977. It was a miniseries mm-hmm. and LeVar Burton starred as one of the main characters, he starred as Junta Quinte. Junta Quinte, yes. Don Amos and Lou Gossett Jr., Cicely Tyson, Leslie Uggams, Madge Sinclair. I mean, it was, matter of fact, it was a very star-studded event. Yeah. It's one of those things, if you watch those original episodes, that you will see that, I mean, every actor who was somebody was in this. And so it was... It was really something else. But like I say, as a 12-year-old, nah, I didn't <laughs> have anything to do with that. But it changed. It changed life. It changed the way things, the way people saw stuff here, the way people dealt with things. And I mean, look at it. It's become, what, a billion-dollar industry now. People trying to find their roots, yeah. trying to find, you know, where they where they come from because it's important. It really is. It really is. And I'm sorry for laughing, but listen, you didn't have not one white person that won't talk about roots in middle school. Oh, girl, they all wanted to talk about roots, but they could get punched over that. (laughs) You you weren't trying to have a courageous conversation, Karen, about roots. No, not at 12. You got got punched talking about slaves. Because you know what? I ain't no slave now. (laughs) And I had no problem going to the principal's office for busting you upside your head. Oh, my God. Okay. All right, then. Okay. Well, what else was on TV besides Roots, which apparently was making you violent? Girl, I know, right. Now, here is one of the things that just totally gets me. This thing came on, really, in 1975, and it was right against Good Times. Mm -hmm. And it was, as you can see, it is like the total opposite of Good Times. And it's Happy Days. Oh, yeah. This is the show that, you know, it has the uh, all-white family and, you know, the suburbs and uh, dad has a job and mom stays home and the kids go to school and, you know, get into little activities and stuff around. And this is what's competing against good times, you know, the poor black people who live in the ghetto who can't never get out and a daddy gets fired from the car wash. Mm Mm-hmm. And so this is a show that's competing against them. 
And what's the show? It's called Happy Days. Okay. <laughs> I was Happy like, Days. Yeah, Happy Days is competing against good times. These two shows are on different channels and they're, you know, they are scheduled at the same time. And so you and have these won? two societies. Who won? Who won the race? Eventually, <laughs> eventually happy days. <laughs> okay, but for a while, good times won. Yeah, for a good time, for for a while, good times hung in there because you know yeah. they had they had us in there going, yes, yes. But you know, then the fans start saying, hey. <laughs> And it was over. It was over because we was all following the funds. We was following the funds. But, you know, that's so funny that that um, they were competing against each other because the cutting hands, uh, they were like this perfect family, which is probably what white families more than likely look like in the 50s. You had a dad working or had a little business. Your mama was at home baking pies and you had two kids in school and you had a house. And I mean, nobody really even batted an eye about that, which, you know. Right, right. You ain't lying. Across town, you had probably black people walking to work to clean somebody's house and being beat up and stalked and can't travel at night. And But that wasn't the 50s they wanted to show. They wanted to show the 50s of the Cuttingham family. Right, right, because you didn't see folks like, like us in Rich's neighborhood. No, it wasn't until later episodes that they actually brought a Black person on. I think it was Stretch, the drummer. Yeah, stretch, Stretch, yeah. Yeah, stretch. but for years, it was just those white people and Fonzie, so it was more... It was more about Fonzie being the outsider in that and not it not, it not being about race, but it, it was a, more about a culture or a class or a class, class. War. Yeah, it was with, class with, Yeah, with Fonzie and them kind of coming over, which when you think about it in the 50s, it's like, really, that was that's what you took from the 50s? There was a class war? That, that's what you got? <laughs> like, all the blood we shed in the civil rights movement and they come talking about their class war. So when you're talking about the 50s, you're going to talk about a class war and black people still being lynched? Oh, okay. But, hey, black people want, wasn't really the audience for this show. Oh, it wasn't. If, it wasn't. If we watched it, fine. If we didn't, that was okay, too. But it, it wasn't really the audience. But listen, I love Happy Days. I, I just thought it was a stupid little show. I love the Fonz. I remember writing his name on my tennis shoes. No, you did not write Fonz's name on your tennis shoes, girl. You don't remember that, do you? No, I do not. Glad. <laughs> what tennis shoes did you write his name on? Don't you worry about it. Look, wait a minute, she trying to think back. She ain't going to remember she was tennis. I am. So listen, listen. Was you trying to go with the Fonzie? <laughs> you put his name on your shoes. <laughs> why you? Why you care with who I was trying to go with? That would have freed you up for Michael, wouldn't it? <laughs> You're trying to go with the Fonzie. I love the Fonzie. He was so cool, and and everybody else was so ridiculous. And that's probably why I liked the little show. And the show kind of spun off Laverne and Shirley, which was just my baby. We all time favorite show. Laverne and Shirley. Oh, that show was just hilarious. So the other show that thing spun off. What? And let me tell you, every middle school teacher probably in the 70s hated this show. What? Mork and Mindy. Girl, 
Mark and Mindy was revolutionary, right? I loved Mark and Mindy, baby. Oh I wore God. my middle school teachers out with Mark and Mindy. I know they wanted, if they could have shot kids in middle <laughs> school, I'd have been dead. What was you doing? That made oh, it so crazy. Oh, nanu, 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 nanu. You nanu me one more time, Miss Henson. Like you're up here, nanu, nanu, you need to be getting homework. Right. <laughs> you can't add 10 and 10, but you want a nanu, nanu. nanu. Yeah, you can nanu, nanu, but yeah. Oh my God, that Robin Williams, when he bursted on the scene, he changed the whole comedy game. Baby, and you know what really blew that show up? Jonathan Winters. Oh when my Jonathan God. Jonathan Winters came on as they look kid, I was oh. done. Girl, when he came in there as the but I'm telling you, that is comedy gold. Comedy gold. gold. Oh my goodness. Now the, the late 70s had some good comedy. They they had some good comedy. Yeah, they didn't look like us. Now there was one show. Now and they went back to their old ways, Gina. They they gave us one of us and they were surrounded <laughs> by a bunch of them. Now Benson. I love Benson, that Robert Gilliam, baby. <laughs> he killed it. But he was the only one who looked like us on that show. <laughs> and Benson would say, that doorbell would ring. He'd say, you want me to get that? <laughs> <laughs> Man started out as a butler and ended up lieutenant governor. That's what I'm talking about. That's that's I the said. story right there. <laughs> I said where in America is the help going to talk back like that and still have a job? Between him and Florence on the Jefferson, baby, they changed that domestic housekeeping game. Benson was like, mm, oh, y'all stupid. Let me just keep y'all in line. Benson was hilarious. Yep, yep. He and the was other, The other show from the 70s, mm. WKRP in Cincinnati. Oh, my goodness. Oh my goodness. Thanksgiving. Listen. Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> that Thanksgiving episode, baby. Oh my God. Them people. It's like, why would you think a turkey could fly? And even if you thought a turkey could fly, you shouldn't drop it out of an airplane. Like, you shouldn't drop nothing out of an airplane for people to get. Girl. I was like, that is the dumbest. <laughs> but, this one, baby. Oh, the comedy in the late 70s shifted to the workplace and just all the foolishness that goes on at work, like WKRP and, and Vincent. And then you have this out of this world thing with Mort and Mindy. And it was just like, this is just gold. This is just comedy gold. gold. Like, we could just watch this stuff all day long. And like, the way these shows are put together, they're put together in a way that we could. And we still do. And I mean, that's why they all still run it. You can probably find all of these shows we're talking about somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I'm telling you, it's it's comedy that's not totally based on fart jokes or bodily functions or 
sex or I mean, it's just pure comedy stuff of just people. And that's what made it so funny. It wasn't you weren't always waiting for somebody to, you know, make it about a sexual act or something like that. It was just funny stuff they would do. It was just I, I just can't even put it into words. But more community, if you could find that on YouTube or anywhere, listen, it'll bless your soul. It will bless your soul to watch Mork and Mindy. I promise you it will. And if you can find the Thanksgiving episode of WKRP in Cincinnati, you will need oxygen to finish watching that because it is so hilarious. Watching that show. I can't even think about that show without losing my breath. (laughs) Oh, my God. I mean, the best comedy in the world. And yes, as young kids, they gave us a, a TV, and that's what we did. We sat in front of it all the time, and they were okay with that. They were fine. That means we were not like getting in trouble or talking to them. So they was like, "Go and find somebody on that TV to watch." And if you I mean it was four of us, so they was like, "We we over y'all. We y'all find something to do." Let me tell you, it was a fight with four of us because none of us wanted to watch the same things. No, no. I mean, me and Karen now sound like we enjoy a lot of the same stuff. But growing up, there were many fights over what to watch on television. Okay, y'all, we had this really stupid rule. I'm <laughs> telling about the stupid rule. We had this stupid rule. Like, if you were watching television and you had to go to the bathroom, you could not, like, leave the television alone and go to the bathroom. Because if you went to the bathroom, mm-hmm. you could come back and that television channel would be changed and somebody else would be... sitting in front of it and so we had this rule you would find some inanimate object to keep the television for you (laughs) you'd be like i have to go to the bathroom it's dead on this channel couch keep the tv for me (laughs) oh my god i was thinking about that the other day and i just (laughs) died laughing because it was like Will you keep the TV for me? No, I don't want to watch this. Fine. Couch, keep the TV for me. You come back. <laughs> and somebody changed the TV. Why you changed the TV? It was my turn to watch TV. You left the room. Uh-uh, the chair was keeping the TV for me. <laughs> yes, we still Clearly. like each other and speak to each other in our old age. <laughs> Clearly. Our parents probably should have brought more books for us to read. <laughs> and maybe we wouldn't be asking the couch or the table to keep the TV for us. One of our siblings would not change the channel. But listen, honey, that was that was real life. And I that was real life. It was four of us. And there was yep. that one TV we had to fight over. So it was like, no. Couch is keeping the TV from me, and you change that channel. On we just fight because the couch had the TV for me, not that the couch could have. (laughs) Not that the couch could have chimed in and said, "That's right, I had the TV for Regina." No, no. (laughs) Again, we probably should have read more. (laughs) Yes, we should have. Now, one last thing that happened during this decade that we have to mention, Mm -hmm. man. It was Saturday Night Fever. Oh, baby, Saturday Night Fever blew up the end of this decade. This one movie starring John Travolta 
did everything. And then, of course, the next year he came back and did Grease. Wow. Oh, you let me think? tell you. And Saturday Night Fever, which was done in 1977, it was, the movie was an hour, almost an hour and 58 minutes. Music was done by the Bee Gees. Cool uh, in the Gang had a song on there, Casey and the Sunshine Band. This was the disco. This started this whole disco thing. I it mean, just beautiful. knocked it into the rest of the world. They made this movie for $3 million and has since made two hundred. And thirty-seven million dollars. That movie this one was little movie. Everything. Oh my God, John Travolta is the sexiest. Oh, and that white suit dancing. Let me tell y'all something. John Travolta was what's up. I, I'm just gonna go and say it. He was what's up. He he was Benny Barbarino on Welcome Back Carter in '75. Then he yep. did the Staying Alive in the Grease. Baby, you couldn't tell us nothing. We loved John Travolta. Yes, we did. Yes, we, we did. did. But it also introduced the BGs. And let me just tell you, I, I I I left Michael Jackson alone, and then I, I wanted to marry Andy Gibb. Andy Gibb was gonna be my next husband. <laughs> yes. yes, some BGs, girl. That that high voice singing group with that. Ooh, that Andy Gibb. Yep. Ooh. Child. I mean, but think about it. Music was off the chain right here. Think about it. Michael Jackson released off the wall. Yes. Uh, Pink Floyd uh, did uh, Brick in the Wall. Yep. And baby, and then, the Sugar Hill Gang. Sugar Hill Gang came through. Hip, hop, hop hip. A to the hippity hip, hip, hop. You don't stop. I remember like it was yesterday coming home and people at school have been talking about this song and coming home and cutting on the radio waiting to hear it and when it finally came on cutting it up loud and my mind just being blown because I had never heard a song number one with the rapping everybody always sung up until that point and so that was my first rap song I ever heard and it just blew my mind. And everybody was trying to learn the word so they could do it too. And it was like, oh, this is it. This is it. The Sugar Hill Gang, this is it. So yeah, yeah, the late 70s, oh. It was, yeah. We was laughing and dancing and I was trying to get ready to marry Andy Gill. That, that was my mid-70s, son. My late 70s. I was getting ready for high school, but as I could tell you, remember I told you these um, these decades, it's towards the end, man. They're getting ready for the next one. And as you could tell, this rapper's delight was getting us ready for the 80s. Taking us right on into the, to the 80s. It set us up for something we were not even ready for. Baby, the 80s was going to be great. But... It, that was setting us up for the 80s and the 80s was not even ready. Yes, yes. It, I mean, I don't think we were ready for the 80s. I think the 80s was going to just, you know, blow us away. The TV shows in the 70s got better and better and better, funnier, funnier. You know, the comedy was smarter. I, I can say it was smart. It was comedy that was moving us forward. But that music... 
that music was getting ready to go off in them 80s, girl. It was. It was. And that's what we're leaving you with. That hip hop, hippity, hippity, hip hop, they don't stop. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Again, that's not her ministry, but she tried. <laughs> she tried. So we're going to give her a hand clap of praise for trying. We're going to thank y'all for listening to us. And again, if you want to give us some feedback and tell us uh, about what you think of these shows, you can hit us up on Facebook or Twitter at TV Talk Sisters. And we thank you for listening. And hey, let us know what your favorite memory is from that from that time period. And listen, if y'all had a rule in your house on how you shared the TV with siblings, let us know. Because, I mean, our, our rule was a little goofy, but it worked. Okay? It worked. There was no bloodshed. But let us know how y'all did it. Y'all made it out alive. Thank y'all. Bye. Bye. Decades with the Sisters is produced by Karen J. Anderson. Music by Karen's friend Dave. And Regina Anderson just shows up to talk. Sisters. TV talk with the sisters.